0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, August 11th. I'm Matt Hoysh.
1: And I'm Gavin McGough.
0: In today's headlines, Telluride Elementary School welcomes new principal.
1: A foray into mushrooming.
0: Region prepares for an EV future.
1: And a mountain weather forecast.
0: Time flies when you're having summer fun. The new school year. Is already just around the corner. Classes start in the Telluride School District on Tuesday, August 23rd. And this year, the Telluride Elementary School welcomes a new leader, Kelly Trinan, to replace longtime TES Principal Susan Altman, who stepped down at the end of last school year. KOTO spoke with Trinan about her new role. The conversation began with her background in education.
2: I started teaching in Indianapolis Public Schools in 1985, which dates me a little bit. And I was in inner city schools for four years and then went to Hamilton County, which is where I pretty much stayed after that. I taught 14 years and I have been a principal for 20 years and then a couple of years as assistant principal.
0: What attracted you in the first place to want to become the principal of an elementary school in a small mountain town? <laughs>
2: My daughter moved here about a year and a half ago with her family, and she they would send me advertisements for positions that were close. And I said, "Oh, I'm not going to apply for anything unless it's right in Telluride." And I was kind of joking. And I'm she sent me the the notice that they had an opening for an elementary principal, and I just thought I'm gonna try it, see what happens. And it felt like a good fit when I was here last spring. It felt like this was a great place for me to be at this time of my life. So. It was really my family that drew to me, but I knew that I needed a good fit, too, because I'm very passionate about my career, and I had to be happy in that, too.
0: What, what draws you to education and has really convinced you to dedicate so much of your life to it?
2: Well, I grew up around educators, my whole family. They're all teachers. Um, I'm the first administrator, but I think it's just that drive to be around kids and people. It's probably the best job out there, like if kids make you smile. And watching them grow and learn and everything, so that's really my muse is being around kids and and watching their learning and growing.
0: Why um, elementary school age in particular?
2: Because I'm taller than them. No, I'm dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think they're they're excited, and I think everybody has their niche. Like I think people that teach high school are meant to teach high school. People that are in middle school are there. It's like a kindergarten teacher. A kindergarten teacher. They're special people. They are meant to be teachers um, of that age group. I just think my best fit is with the younger kids. Hmm.
0: What have your first impressions been of of the teachers and also really just the general community in the month or so that you've been up here so far?
2: I'll tell you right, as some of the nicest people I think I've ever met. Everybody is so helpful. I've met probably about half the teachers at this point, and they're awesome. I saw them last year in action, a lot of them, and they're phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to working with them.
0: What's um, your plan really for the next few months as you really ease into this role? What are you kind of hoping to accomplish over the first few months?
2: I think my main role is to observe and listen, because I think there's so many good things going on in Telluride schools, and I need to support that. And so where I'm coming from, it is different, different focus and things. So I think the biggest job I have right now is to get to know my teachers, build relationships with them, build relationships with the parents and the students.
0: Who is your favorite elementary school teacher and why?
2: Oh, Mrs. Jorgensen. She um, was my first grade teacher in Dallas Center, Iowa. And well, she's the one that taught me to read. And to read with expression. And so she was a big impact on my learning and the primary grades. And we kept in contact, gosh, until maybe like 10 years ago.
0: Well, you are, as I'm sure you've noticed, you're in a small community and people are definitely going to see you outside of the the school settings. Uh, what are you looking forward to outside of your professional duties in our area?
2: Hiking. I um, have enjoyed that. I took my first independent hike last weekend, which was um, a lot of fun. We went to the rodeo a couple weeks ago, which I thought was so Colorado. So that was fun. But I don't ski downhill ski, but I have cross-country skied. So I'm hoping to do that better and get a little more practice in.
0: Kelly Trinan is the new principal over at the Telluride Elementary School. Kelly, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy start of the school year preparations to chat with
1: us.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: At an undisclosed location off the highway, somewhere past Trout Lake in the Lizard Head Pass, Art Goodtimes is headed
3: up into the forest. So we're just gonna head in, right into that spot there. There's a little creek that runs. If you, if for some reason you get lost, get come to that drainage and just follow it down.
1: Goodtimes, okay. a poet from Norwood, is renowned in and around Telluride. Today he's headed up into these woods in search of mushrooms. Good times has been mushroom hunting here since coming to Telluride some 40 years
3: ago. And then I was only there a couple months. They had a job opening for a direct, uh, the Arts Council director. I applied, it was $5 an hour. So it, was, it wasn't much money, it was only part time. But it was a huge way into the community, it was so cool. Shortly
1: into his tenure with the Arts Council, Art got connected with some mushroom enthusiasts and mycologists from Denver. Soon enough, the Telluride Mushroom Festival began. It's been a telluride staple ever since. But today, Good Times has brought me out less to talk about the festival and more to learn the craft of mushroom hunting, which Good Times explains is called foraying.
3: We actually, foraging is really plants and botany. Foraying is a mushroom term. So when we're hunting for mushrooms, we're foraying. And uh, all the mushroom clubs, and the mushroom festival, all the Mycological people, they all talk about foraying.
1: Crossing a meadow and climbing up a slope, we approach a forest of spruce and fir. Good time says that mushrooms emerge and disappear quickly as weather conditions change.
3: Now, it's dry here. This is a, this is worrisome, so it hasn't monsoon for a couple days. This dries out in a day or two. That's the trouble with mushrooms, is that it's a very sensitive.
1: Despite the dryness, Good Times soon finds a deep purple mushroom with a creamy white underside covered in delicate papery gills. He suspects it might be edible and performs a quick test.
3: What you do is you take a small bite of the edge of it, just a bit, and keep it in the front of your mouth for 15, 20 seconds to see if it starts to burn.
1: We get no burning sensation,
3: so Good Times unwraps a wax bag and into the pot it goes. I'm not getting a burning. So this to me is serampolina. That's what I've heard. There's a lot of line up here. Um. Pressing deeper into the forest, Good Times discovers a true treasure,
1: chanterelles. Perhaps the most prized edible in terms of flavor, he explains that they must be carefully cleaned in the field with a brush and a knife.
3: Chanterelle is one of those mushrooms that you never want to wash. It loses its flavor. When you wash it, it washes out its water-soluble oils. That's why you, you really need to field clean them. So you can pick other mushrooms and clean them at home, but not with chanterelle.
1: The labor and attention required by chanterelles are part of what is special about
3: foraying, Good Time says. And then when you have the patience to sit there, you have enough time to sing, tell stories, because like you get into this state where... You're just in tune with the world around you, and everything is alive. The mushrooms are alive. You know, you talk to everything, you sing, and you're part of it. It's really a powerful energy. After a couple of hours, we have
1: each gathered a small but promising harvest, and we make our way back down the slope. On the drive back to Telluride, Good Time says that the festival has come to honor all aspects of mushrooming, from mycological science to art. To the good old-fashioned mushroom foray,
3: where it's more than just a conference, like a maps or scientific. It actually has the arts, has poetry, has music. It's meant to be a whole-body experience, and getting out into the woods foraying is like so ancient. Dolores Lachapelle came one year and talked just about how important it was to go back to uh, an activity that is so ancient in our genes. In our, in our tribe, in our people, in our genus. So um, that, that to me is really exciting as well. The Mushroom
1: Festival takes place in Telluride August 17th to the 21st. However, the mushrooms are already out there in the forest. If you head out on a foray, keep an eye out for Art Good Times. He might be out there, singing his song to the forest.
3: I woke up this morning with the sun in my heart, it's been shining all day. All
1: For KOTO. This is Gavin McGoff.
0: This story about electric vehicles starts at a gas station. It's early on a Thursday morning in late July. I'm at the Conoco in Lawson Hill. Fuel is 4.69 a gallon. Cars are cycling in and out to fill up, but I'm not here to gab about gas.
3: Hey, these are two 75 kilowatt DC fast chargers. Bill
0: Gordon is showing me two EV charging stations he recently installed in a corner of the property. Gordon, who built the Conoco about 30 years ago with his wife, Ginny, worked at a gas station growing up. He likes cars and has quite a few.
3: We're having a 1984 Fiat built for us right now, That 41 Ford diesel camper, 99 Toyota Tacoma, 1987 uh, Suzuki Samurai.
0: None of those, of course, are electric. But a few years ago, Gordon, who reads a lot about fuel, says he saw EV usage was increasing faster than the gas industry anticipated. So, he began a process that ended up taking about three years to install chargers.
3: If we're going to be part of the future, we have to have electrical charging stations. That's just uh, this plane that's written on the wall.
0: Gordon's right that EVs are taking off, even in a rural area like San Miguel County. Katrina Cornell lives in Ofer, and says she got an EV around 2018.
2: I was teaching at the high school and so my commute from Ofer was like 20 minutes each way. It seemed like an electric vehicle would make a lot of sense in that circumstance, and it worked out great for us.
0: Around the same time, Carrie DiStefano began driving between Lawson Hill and Rico for work. That pushed her to also go electric.
4: My dad was a forester, and he was really a fervent environmentalist, so he discouraged us from using cars unnecessarily, and when I had to commute with one, I was looking for a better way.
0: The town of Telluride is looking to further increase EV adoption as part of its recently adopted Climate Action Plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. According to the plan, about 25% of Telluride's emissions in 2020 were from transportation. Over half of that is air travel, but the town has an ambitious goal to become carbon neutral by 2040. The contribution from on-road vehicles is part of that.
4: To get down to zero, you have to address every piece of that pie.
0: Karen Guglielmone is the environmental and engineering division manager for the town. A major task is expanding charging infrastructure. That's easier, she explains, for new construction than retrofitting existing buildings. And it's easier for single-family homes than for condominiums or houses with group parking.
1: How do you get the EV-ready stations in there? How many are you going to need? Who gets them? Or do you provide one for every single person?
0: Then there's the grid carrying all that electricity to meet demand from EVs. Phil Zimmer actually doesn't see that as a major issue. He's the Energy Services Executive at San Miguel Power Association, which delivers power to several counties in southwest Colorado, including San Miguel. A big focus, he explains, will be education to get people to charge at times of day when energy is more available.
1: This is not an insurmountable task at all. Um, Those are things that are in process now of, you know, how do we line up production with, with usage?
0: SMPA is also exploring a new rate structure to incentivize electricity use at optimal times. Plus, Zimmer explains, this isn't just a story of more EVs adding more demand to the grid. People are also lowering demand with more efficient equipment, such as LED lighting and air source heat pumps.
1: Those are all taking demand off the grid compared to conventional electric appliances at the same time that we're adding EVs and EV charging and things like that to the grid.
0: Still, while Zimmer admits the EV transition will probably be faster than some think, he expects it will be slower than others anticipate. Susana Lopez is part of the vast majority who don't have an EV. She's lived in the region for about 20 years.
2: That will be nice, but I heard that they're really expensive and not a lot of places to charge them.
0: But some of those concerns might change with time. Federal legislation expected to pass soon would extend a $7,500 tax credit for people who buy new EVs and create a tax credit worth up to $4,000 for purchasing used EVs. Colorado is also slated to receive a little less than $60 million in federal funding over the next five years to expand charging stations. But back at the Conoco, Bill Gordon stresses he thinks there also needs to be a level of personal responsibility in the transition to more sustainable energy.
3: You have politicians, you have local people that like to point and say, well, they need to build solar collectors, they need to supply this energy, they do. I think it's important to do these things yourself. When we spoke,
0: the Conoco Chargers were only a few weeks old. Gordon hadn't even advertised the service, but he says drivers had already started to use them.
1: Hikers be warned, the Cornet Creek Trail and Telluride is closed for the foreseeable future. The town has begun work on a water infrastructure system on the hillside above the trail. Due to the risk of rock falls from the construction, the area is closed until further notice. The ever-popular Judwebe Trail, which departs from the same Aspen Street trailhead as Cornet Creek, remains safe and open to the public.
0: The big musical happening this weekend, of course, is the Telluride Jazz Festival, with festivities across town day and night. But there are also several other live music offerings over the coming days. Friday, catch Claybrook and Tom at the Telluride Farmers Market from 11 to 3 p.m., Keelan David and Brett Newman at Heritage Plaza from 1 to 6 p.m., and Tall Tall Trees for Music on the Green in Reflection Plaza from 5 to 7 p.m. Saturday, Leslie Browning is playing Heritage Plaza from 1 to 6 p.m. And Sunday, R.C. Hall and Crooked Sky is at the Fireweed Cafe in Rico from 12 to 2 p.m. Jan and Mike Graves are at Heritage Plaza from 1 to 6 p.m. And some of David and Ted is playing the Ride Lounge from 9 to 11 p.m. For more info on live music around the region, check out KOTO's live music calendar at KOTO.org.
1: Heat isn't just a human problem. The Telluride Marshalls Department, Animal Hospital of Telluride, and the Telluride Humane Society want to spread the word about the danger dogs can face in extreme temperatures. Unlike humans, our canine friends cannot sweat. Instead, they cool off by panting and breathing. High temperatures can lead to dehydration, heat cramps, and heat exhaustion in as little as 10 minutes in a vehicle when outside temperatures hit around. 85 degrees. Even with the windows down and water present, they note, a dog can suffer from heat stroke if they do not have a way to get out of the heat and cool off. To report an animal locked in a hot car, please call dispatch at 970-249-9110.
0: Colorado voters will decide in November whether to legalize the use of psychedelic mushrooms. But, as KOTO's Scott Franz reports, proponents of that goal are split over the best way to do it. The People Pushing Initiative 58 want to create a state-regulated system where people could use psychedelics for anxiety and depression at a clinic. Their measure would also remove criminal penalties for possessing psilocybin, the psychoactive ingredient in so-called magic mushrooms. But another group called Decriminalize Colorado says that path will create a commercialized drug market like cannabis and favor the wealthy. The group tried to gather signatures to put out a competing ballot measure focusing more on total legalization, but the Secretary of State announced this week they fell far short of signatures needed. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol.
1: Conservation groups are praising a scientific proposal to protect a large swath of western land that could help restore wolf and beaver populations. KGNU's Benita Lee has more.
4: Researchers are recommending the federal government stop using portions of these public lands for grazing so that a wildlife corridor can be established from Washington State down to New Mexico. Scientists say successful reintroductions of wolves and beavers at Yellowstone Park and other wild lands show that these species make ecosystems thrive. Ecologists hope the plan, dubbed the Western Rewilding Network, will help restore streams and reduce drought, wildfires, and other effects of climate change. The paper's authors challenged the Biden administration to create this wildland network as part of his America the Beautiful plan. After taking office, Biden signed an executive order to conserve 30 percent of U.S. land and water by 2030. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees and a 40 percent chance of showers and thunderstorms. Friday expect partly sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees and showers and thunderstorms likely in the afternoon. Friday night should be partly cloudy with low around 50 degrees and a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday expect partly sunny skies with a high around 70 degrees and showers and thunderstorms likely in the afternoon. Saturday night calls for partly cloudy skies with low around 50 degrees and a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Thursday, August 11th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. There will be no KOTO news on Friday, August 12th. Instead, we will be broadcasting the 45th annual Telluride Jazz Festival. Tune in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to catch the second half of every day on the main stage. You can listen over the airwaves or online at KOTO.org. We'll be back with more news on Monday, August 15th.